0: Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports.
1: Well, Sandy, it is Friday. Happy Friday
0: to everybody. Thanks for joining the show. It to be a Friday. I'm ready for Friday. Hopefully you are too, because um, it's coming whether you like it or not. So maybe all the honeydew lists on the weekend its spring, maybe that's coming too, but We'll start with the Denver Nuggets scene in a good news, bad news situation. And the good news is sort of complicated, right? Uh, the good news is the Nuggets did not play Nikola Jokic against the New Orleans Pelicans, and they lost by 19. That is also good news if you listened to the program yesterday, because we explained as to why the Nuggets don't need this game. Getting the Pelicans to be able to keep pace with the Lakers is actually a good thing. So all those things are good news. Bad news. They get the Phoenix Suns tonight on the road with Kevin Durant. And inexplicably in a game, the Nuggets lost by 19. Jamal Murray played 36 minutes.
1: And for that reason, among others will not play a second tonight. Michael Malone indicating after the game that that would be the case. And there was also the possibility that Jokic would sit out again. Why wouldn't he sit this one? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Sitting I this see one. no reason why someone who is deemed a, unfit to play last night would be all of a sudden 24 hours later good to go if you're going to err on the side of caution don't play him in either of the back-to-back games as far as murray is concerned maybe the 36 minutes can be justified if he doesn't play at all tonight i i, I hate to be euphemistic on these points uh, but I, I, I don't want to go overboard either. Would it be safe to say, you're kind of my editor here. Okay. okay. Would it be safe to say that through their approach to the game last night, the decision made by whomever to sit Jokic out, that the Nuggets would not mind if New Orleans finished 5th, 6th, or 7th as opposed to 8th. They would not mind if that were the case. In fact, by winning last night, as we suggested yesterday, New Orleans moves up to 7th. But they're actually in a pretty good position, conceivably, to overtake Golden State for 6th and even possibly now the Clippers played the other night without George and Leonard and they won anyway but catching the Clippers for 5th is within the realm of possibility and I would say the same thing about tonight's game with the Suns they would not mind if Phoenix overtook Sacramento, and they switched places. Sacramento at the moment is number three in the West, and Phoenix is number four, and there's a five-game difference in the standings and a three-game difference on road win home loss differential. If Phoenix beats the Nuggets twice and Sacramento stumbles Maybe Phoenix finishes third, and there is, to that extent, I believe, some manipulation perhaps going on. Something more than just care for the condition of Jokic slash Murray. So, in other words, if I'm understanding
0: you correctly, because my my frustration is, if you were going to go for one of these games, play Jokic and Murray together, and then if you're going to rest them, rest them in the same game. And and go ahead and punt that game. But what you're suggesting is the Nuggets, who do like manipulating the standings when it is possible. It would they, seem as if they do. Over the years, they have kind and, of made and, that and clear. And by the way,
1: as we've said, uh, former Nugget coach George Carl, when he coached, abhorred the idea right. of trying to manipulate the standings and not trying to win Straight up, but I sense, mean within the bounds yeah. of common sense, uh, not playing injured players or hurt players. Right. But uh, preferring to just play it straight and not try to imagine. Well, if we lose, what the standings might be, or if we win, what would the standings be? But since retiring from coaching, uh, George has expressed on this very radio station right. uh, a a preference, if you have the chance to do it for manipulating the standings. And I think that the Nuggets would just as soon face Dallas, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, even the Lakers, as opposed to New Orleans, anticipating perhaps that Zion Williamson is on schedule to be available for the playoffs and maybe even a handful of regular season games. By the same token, I think they would rather play Golden State, the Clippers, Sacramento, as opposed to Phoenix, with a healthy, though still rusty, Kevin Durant. So your argument, if I'm getting this
0: correctly, is the Nuggets are intentionally punting
1: both of these games. Uh, Punting as opposed to tanking these
0: games. Yes, right. Deciding Tanking
1: is a little extreme. This is a good
0: day for load management.
1: For right. certain players. Now, uh, but maybe uh, not I, I'm, maybe not for all your players at once, because that does look like you're tanking the game. Right. And and that would be the problem with let's say last night sitting Murray.
0: That would look as like you're well not even as the making catch, an effort to because be Murray
1: has no injury and the the two areas that you can kind of fudge on, mm-hmm. it would seem to me, not knees, not knees. But groin muscle, calf muscle. Sure. You can always say, well, it's no, stiffened this just up on It felt tight. Right. It just felt tight. And we're going to play Nobody can safe. judge that. Right. And, boy, the uh, TNT folks sure bought it last night. Hook, line, and sinker. Didn't question it in the least. Hmm. But you know what it did? And I want to make this point because I want to talk about this later with you. Because the latest MVP straw poll came out from ESPN. Right last night served as about as strong an argument as you can make for the MVP candidacy of one Nikola Jokic. (laughs) Right? Exactly. It did, however, intentionally or unintentionally, serve that purpose because the Nuggets were brutal last night, starting with Murray and Porter, to be quite blunt. I thought the bench was actually decent. Murray... And Porter shot 11 for 30. And Porter couldn't throw a three ball in the ocean.
0: Only had 27 minutes of time, too. I mean, didn't even bother. Michael Malone didn't bother trying to even find a way to get it right as uh, Brandon Ingram just continued to do everything. And oh, by the the way, the best
1: three point shooting team in the league shot four for 28 on threes last night. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, Murray looked bad. Porter looked bad. Uh, I mean, you look at those starters down the line, especially plus minus Porter Jr., minus 23, Gordon minus 22, Caldwell-Pope minus 17, Murray minus 16, Bryant minus 12. Yeah. The only minus... Right. Uh, uh, the two minuses on the bench. Pardon me. Bruce Brown had minus 5 in
1: 28 minutes, more minutes than Porter But, but he or was Bryant. Good. He, he was he good. He was good. And, and, they uh, lost the game by, what, 19, 19 points? 19 points. So, anything under minus 19 is actually pretty good. Yeah, Christian Brown... Minus one in his First history, Brown five was for nine. I and, and Zeke excellent. Naji, uh, the only Nagy Nuggets player good. that was a plus in his the 17 minutes. Green and Naji off the bench combined for 13 rebounds. Um, I'm looking here. Gordon had six rebounds. Porter had three rebounds. Bryant started had three rebounds. I know he only played 14 what, minutes. 14 minutes. Uh, Murray had four rebounds. Uh, KCP had four rebounds. So their leading rebounders are Green and Najee, two guys coming off the bench. Yeah. And Green played thirty minutes and Najee played, played seventeen. 17. I, I would have played Najee more, but whatever. Uh they they were never in the game. They really weren't. They they were down ten at the quarter, they were down ten at the half, right? 50-40 at the yeah, half. It was, yeah. They weren't it was not competitive. And uh I, I'll tell you what, if they face this New Orleans team in the playoffs, even if Zion isn't back to one hundred percent, this Brandon Ingram is going to be a problem. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, triple double last night. He's and extremely and he's good player, and he's guarded for the most part by Aaron Gordon, who's supposed to be the Nuggets' best defensive right. player. And I, th- I, I sound like I'm being sarcastic. I, th- I think he is. I, I, I really do. I think he's. Uh, I, I think he and the three guys they bring off the bench are their right. best defensive players. Uh, Actually, uh, Naji Brown, and Brown, I think, belongs um, in there. But but I get, I get yeah, the point. You're uh, nitpicking. I, I, I don't know. I, I think Brown's much better defensively than Cole, Paul. But anyway. uh, And Valen and found Stiff, by the way. Now, I know he had a break last night because he wasn't playing against Jokic. Right. But, uh, you know, he only played 25 minutes and was a plus 14 and had uh, 15 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, So I'm saying he isn't one of those uh, uh, pushovers that Jokic often faces. Uh, No. He's not Nurkic, for example, who Jokic just eats up and spits out. Um, uh, McCollum played a lot of minutes last night. I don't know how efficient he was, but he was plus 27. And in the playoffs, I would think uh, they would, use him judiciously. Uh, Murphy's a good shooter. Uh, I actually like uh, their bench although it's young and I really like the coach. I think he is Willie Green one of the underrated young coaches in the NBA uh, right now and you know there's a chance not a great chance but a chance they could finish as high as fifth and avoid the play-in tournament. Entirely, the the matchup there
0: would be interesting because Valentunis, obviously, you know, number five overall pick years ago, a talented guy, big guy, and, and the the truth of the matter is, at times, the big guys that aren't afraid to body up Jokic can give him a little trouble. Now, in the 17 games they've played against one, one another, Jokic has averaged 24.5 points, 12.4 boards, and 8.4 assists. Not that he's not that it's been a huge immense problem, but Valanciunas has averaged fourteen point six eight point four. Yeah. Oh. In other words, neither one both of them numbers. Both of them end up hitting their numbers. hit their Neither neither really does much to affect the other. They're going right. to hit their numbers. Right. So Jokic doesn't have a particularly hard time with Valanciunas, but he doesn't have an easy time. No. And Jokic doesn't
1: do it, much to slow down Valanciunas either. You know. It, it, Michael Malone went crazy yesterday because I guess there was an ESPN piece, which I, I did not see, and I will try to find it. Maybe you can. Oh, I, it. I know which one he's talking about. Uh, that ripped Jokic for not protecting the rim right. and not being great defensively. Called it a hatchet ESPN job, and he's not ESPN. entirely right. incorrect. Right. And, uh, well, okay, you've seen the piece, yeah. and I haven't seen the piece. It but, felt cheap But but um, there are players in this league or on pick and roll certain combinations that Jokic doesn't have to worry about very much on the defensive end of the four. He really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think of Rudy Gobert that way. Rudy Gobert is really not an offensive player and you, he, he does nothing against Jokic on the no. offensive end of the floor. No. I mean, nothing. He has really not been nope. effective at all. No. And um, it seems to me m- more recently in the last two, three years, that when Jokic has played against Towns, for example, of Minnesota, he has been able to dominate Towns. And, you know, Towns has some flaws in his game too, especially in the defensive end of the floor. But Jokic has recently, not not at the beginning when they first matched up against each other, Towns gave Jokic Mm a tough time. But it's a sign that Jokic has at least improved defensively. To the extent that Towns can no longer just put up 20, yeah, 25 last... points on him and, and and probably give up 30 or 35 on the other end, but he can limit Towns and really dominate him. I don't think Valanchonis is one of those guys he can dominate. And so he has to pay attention. And uh, Valanchonis around the basket is big enough and strong enough to get his shot off against Jokic. And again, last night, I I thought he was solid, but he also physically overmatched any of the people who were uh, trying to guard him. Uh, But, but the real problem would be Ingram. And if Zion is 90% or more of what he usually is, who do you put on? Ingram, and who did you put shorter on Ingram? The
0: problem is you might have to because he's too tall for Gordon. And Gordon for, for on Gordon. Zion? You might have to do that because Zion obviously may be a little shorter for the role he plays, so is Gordon. Ingram is, a, you know, a good, lanky guy, and that's a problem. And he's a guy that can get his own shot off at that height, much like Porter Jr. So, yeah, I think that you have to consider – Maybe doing that, and it's not—it's not a great fit for the Nuggets. Now are the Nuggets a better team? Yeah, you bet
1: they are. And, and you know, and will really... they win the series? Yes. Yeah. I imagine they will. I don't think you but, freak out about but it. But could there be moments of anxiety in such a series? I think the Nuggets believe there could be, as opposed to the amount uh, or frequency of anxiety against any of those other teams that are right around New Orleans. In the mm-hmm. standings, and we know they continue uh, to be bunched together uh, in as much as uh, uh, the Clippers are 41 and 36 and Oklahoma City is 38 and 39. That's a three game difference from fourth place to 10th place. Now, uh, Dallas, if they can start winning some of these games, I think they're playing. I should say Doncic and Kyrie are playing better together than they were, but they're still losing basketball games. They're going to have to, they got five games left. They right. They probably have to win all
0: five. I think they you, probably you right. have to Given win how all five. tight it is. You, yeah. you have to find a way to, yeah.
1: you know, jump over, over. Other, and I, I think other we can count Utah out. Yes. I agree with, with that. Obviously Portland, San Antonio and Houston, um, who have been basically mathematically eliminated. I, I it's 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 Dallas, Oklahoma City, Lakers. I One and think a half Minnesota, games separate I, those. two I, teams. I think those are the three teams going for two spots. Right, and maybe those last two spots because I do think Minnesota lost the other night, but they played pretty well and they've won a couple of road games recently in in places like San Francisco that are tough to <laughs> tough to come in and, mm-hmm. and, and win. Uh and I again I think New Orleans is going to be at least in the play in term. And I think Golden State and the Clippers are, are fine and probably, probably, not certainly, but probably will finish about where they are right now, which would be for the Clippers, fifth and Golden State. Well, sixth.
0: here are the games in the West tonight that are impactful. The Thunder will be on the yep. road against the Pacers. They're big, the better
1: big game. Better team there, but then again, they're the better team.
0: They are the better team. Jazz go to Boston. That's going to be ugly. That might eliminate all but eliminate That's one of the reasons I'm eliminating Clippers at Grizzlies tonight. is is an interesting game. That's important. Lakers at Timberwolves tonight. Important. The Spurs to both. The Warriors get the Spurs at home. That's going to be a laugher. The Kings get go on the road to beat the Trailblazers. That's going to be a laugher too because the Trailblazers have packed it in. Damian Lillard is for this season for the year so with the, the impactful games tonight and the nice thing is you know if you're you're paying attention to scoreboard watching those are 6 p.m starts the lakers are clippers grizzlies lakers timberwolves right uh, the nuggets of course have the late game with that 8 30 start uh, on, yeah, on friday and, night but and again
1: i, I those I'm, are intriguing to me I, i'm probably like you i i sort of stopped paying attention uh, last night i was uh, watching other things yeah, I mean, it was, probably two-thirds of the time once it was obvious the game was going in a certain way yeah. and I was tracking it uh, but I, I wasn't necessarily watching it all that closely. Uh, I, I think tonight boy it's a scoreboard watcher's delight. Uh, tonight, tonight is. Not oh, that yeah. any of those teams are threatening the Nuggets but it goes a long way toward determining the Nuggets are likely to play and I understand the play-in tournament could go any one of a number of directions. Right. But the difference again I want to emphasize and you you've made this observation too the way it's set up with the seven eight nine and ten teams the seven and eight teams play and the winner winner goes doesn't have to play again the right. winners in the playoffs right in fact the winner finishes seventh, seventh. right Correct. no matter if it's eight beating seven or seven beating eight mm-hmm. the winner of that game is seven the loser of that game gets another crack. At finishing eighth against the winner of the nine and ten so game. So, as you can imagine, finishing seventh so and eighth nine really and ten, matters. The winner has to win again. Yeah. The seven and eight, the winner doesn't have to play again. But you know you get two winning. cracks at it.
0: That's the difference.
1: If you finish seven or eight,
0: you know you get two cracks exactly. at it.
1: Exactly. And, and so, so there is an advantage. There's plenty of incentive say, to Well, get there. there's no there's sure seven, there eight, is. nine, ten, there's no difference. The hell, there's sure there not. Sure, there is. You want because to finish seven or eight because if you finish seventh or eighth, you win the game. You're in the playoffs. Yeah, and if you lose, you're still get another shot. And that's shot. what it. Even even if you win the second game, the very fact that in a short space of time you got to play two high stress games, that's additional wear and tear. And that's the team the Nuggets want to face, unless it's New Orleans. And maybe, right? Maybe, Unless it's New Orleans. Maybe the Lakers. Sure We will see. Do you, do you agree with issue. Sandy?
0: 303 831 40 is the number. Are the Nuggets basically trying to uh, punt both last night and tonight? If they are, good for them. I, I hope they are. We will take a closer look at the MVP race, which has tightened up and gone in an interesting direction next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The situation, Sandy, for MVP, the ESPN straw poll that that, uh, had gone out yesterday from Tim and company. So there was a straw poll yesterday about the MVP, the, the, the final one that ESPN will take, obviously. Their description is Joel Embiid has overtaken Nikola Jokic. Now, slightly, (laughs) by two points. points. And the argument is that uh, Embiid has 790 points to 788, but Jokic actually has more first-place votes. He does 42 to 40. Embiid finished in second place on 45, which is six more than Jokic. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course, uh, grab the remaining 18 first place and looked at the striking distance. I made the argument that's probably going to be the guy that ends up winning it because I think there's going to be some voter fatigue with this. And they're just going to go and say, like, you know what? The best guy, on the best team,
1: Giannis. Let's go ahead and give him one. Well, that may be. It surprises me that Giannis is third, but my sense is Embiid will hang on and win it. Now, votes will change, but I think he'll hang on. And the reason I think he'll hang on is because it's his turn and the other guys have both won too. two. Two. And, and I think
0: there is, is that, that's the interesting part of this is because these are voted on by humans and human beings by nature, we have a tendency to create narratives. And when you're talking about the people that have won three MVPs in the history of the league, let alone not three in a row, like Nicole Jokic would be up for, but just three, uh, they're all in the Hall of Fame obviously uh, where Jokic will granted, obviously be something. Jokic and Giannis will be there too. And perhaps and Embiid, well, will it seems like he will be health permitting, Sure, sure he will. but it, it does seem as if that's sort of something they don't want to give out very easily if they can avoid it. And, and that's a, a good point that you're making there because when you're talking about the idea of the other guys getting three, yeah, I can see a scenario in which they're like, ah, you know what, it's about the same for everybody. Let's go ahead and just give it to the guy who hasn't won one. The, uh, the way you get it at the the Oscars or whatever from time to time, especially since Giannis and Jokic have won the last four.
1: Well, if... And I know MVP voting... I was, I was just surprised beauty is that in the eyes of the beholder more. and people have different standards for MVP. But of the three teams, the least successful team is Embiid's team. Yes. The most successful team is Giannis's team. How on earth Embiid has 85 first and second place votes to only 33 for Giannis is beyond me. Giannis is the best player on the best team. That's his argument, and I think it's a pretty decent one. Embiid, two arguments that I'd make against him having nothing to do with Embiid himself, per se. One I just made. Mm -hmm. Of the three teams who employ these individuals, Embiid's team is third of those three. The second argument is that Embiid plays with former MVP and multiple-time All-Star james harden i know holiday is having a great year he scored 51 the other night for milwaukee and maybe he gets some second team all nba votes but holiday is not a perennial all-star nor has he ever been mvp same with jamal murray Harden is leading the league this year in assists. Right. Many of those assists have gone to Embiid. Most so, of is
0: just, uh, yeah.
1: right. uh, his assists. Yeah. His most frequent so, target. It, again, MVP can be based on a number of factors, and my idea of the definition of an MVP may be different from some other voters' idea of what an MVP is should be and how the metrics should factor in and uh, offense versus defense and all this stuff. All I know is that Jokic controls games. I think Giannis controls games and beat is capable of dominating them, but he has more help and his team is less successful. I mean, you saw the nuggets without Jokic last night. Yeah, And you know what? The, uh, this
0: argument came up at the All-Star break. Jokic has no All-Star teammates, let alone a former MVP, let exactly. alone leading the guy leading exactly. the league in assists.
1: And Jokic, uh, this guy at ESPN, uh, Kirk Goldsberry, mm-hmm. wrote this, and you put it as a hatchet job. I think I've is. read enough of it just in the break to determine that you are correct and Michael Malone is correct in characterizing it as such. I don't know about subterfuge. Uh, no, I don't know what I, 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 that. That implies some, something conspiratorial, and I don't think that's at work. But in any case, Jokic on the floor plays on the best team in the NBA. Jokic on the bench plays for the worst team in the NBA. Mm-hmm that doesn't involve a deep dive into analytics. I mean, you can put numbers up there that prove the point, but the very fact that you can state when Nikola Jokic is on the floor, the Denver Nuggets are the best team in the NBA bar none. Yes. When he is off the floor, they are the worst team in the NBA bar none. I don't know of anything that speaks to value more than that basic idea. Value. When he's on the floor, you're the best. When he's off the floor, you're the worst. Joel Embiid on the bench doesn't make Philadelphia the worst team in the league. No. Even Giannis on the bench doesn't make the Milwaukee Bucks drop the worst off, team in the course, league. Of
0: course, but yeah, you're not talking about a the, the situation in which your offense just you know vanishes without a trace. And, and uh, who knows? To a certain point, look. It, it's it's gotten sort of blown out of proportion because in the end, if Jokic's career goes the way it goes, all three of these guys, they're going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. They're going to be multiple MVP award winners, and, and it is what it is. Uh, I I don't think people necessarily look at a guy like Moses Malone, who has three MVPs in his career, illustrious, well-deserved Hall of Fame career, and say he's three times better than Kobe Bryant. Or Charles well, Barkley, you each have one. No, and, no. And,
1: and and Barkley came very close, as the article you're referring to makes yeah, mention of. A but year with Magic, yeah, Magic, and, and Michael Jordan Michael all kind Jordan. of clumped, very
0: similar to right, this. Right,
1: you know, and 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 uh, listen, uh, Embiid at some point, probably this year, in my estimation, will be the MVP, and you'll be able to make an argument for it. What? I object to, and it's part of the point that Michael Malone's been making for a few weeks now, ju- not just yesterday or the other day. Why do you have to, in advocating for one guy, tear down the other? Yeah,
0: day? and that's the kind of article we're talking about there because it's the, the piece that Kirk Goldsberry puts together. Goldsberry is is sort of a pioneer in analytics. It's not as if he doesn't know what he's talking about. The hexagonal shop chart. He's one of the first guys to really bring to the fore. The idea that shots between the uh, outside the free throw line, basically outside that arc and and to the three pointer are, are inefficient and teams have stopped doing that. So it's not as if he doesn't know what he's discussing, but there's also an ex- uh, uh, argument there where it takes into account or fails to take into account game situations. And some of that is Nikola Jokic is not Joel Embiid. He's not Bill Russell. He's not a defensive powerhouse of a center. He's aware of that. The thrust of the article is that Jokic surrenders layups at a higher rate than anybody else. I'm simplifying, but that's essentially it.
1: The Nuggets surrender layups.
0: Yes, yes. And and Jokic on his own man surrenders a lot. The counterpoint to that is that if you actually, this, this is where, if, you know, and I am a huge pro-analytics guy. I've had this argument with Scott Hastings. Our, uh, our friend for a long time. Well, the,
1: the three of us are different in that you are pro analytics. Mm-hmm. In the right context, I'm kind of in the middle. Right. And Scott. Right. Is, is it openly anti? Is yeah, anti.
0: And, and I look at it as a tool in the toolkit. Uh, if, if I'm going to hire someone to repair my car, I want them to bring more than a wrench. You know, I need more than that. And that's analytics is a tool. But the other part is it's your eyeballs. And and watching a lot of Nuggets games, that's where I think that piece shows up. Well, watching the Nuggets games here, there are situations where Nikola Jokic clearly knows okay, I I could challenge this shot. I could also draw a foul by challenging this shot. That person is a pretty good free throw shooter. And then me getting in foul trouble really hurts our team. I am better off letting this one go and living to fight another day. And this piece doesn't take that into
1: account. Well, uh, this piece also suggests, uh, and using the San Antonio loss of a few weeks ago in San Antonio, one twenty-eight to one twenty, as an example, and um, that was a bad loss. The contention was not only was it a bad loss, but it was Jokic's fault. Um, I can fight fault with about three or uh, three or four other things or people before I get to Jokic. But, Mm -hmm. and I I did watch that game, by the way. So, I want to highlight the one paragraph that follows the advancement of that thesis. The headline of the game's recap read, Spurs overcome Jokic's triple-double to top Nuggets 128-120. While Keldon Johnson scored 23 points in a win, Jokic had 37 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. This is the paragraph I really want to highlight. While conventional NBA stats and storylines continue to perpetuate an extreme offensive bias, probably right about that, perhaps no player's reputation benefits more from it than Jokic. But that nightmare of a game for Denver epitomized the biggest issues with Jokic's game, the wider perception of his overall play, and the Nuggets' title chances. That's completely out of context, in my opinion, because, or it gives no context whatsoever, Nikola Jokic's defense is the biggest impediment to Denver's title chances. No one who has spent a week watching the Nuggets, forget about a month, forget about the entire season, spent a week watching the Nuggets would buy in to that conclusion or that inference that his defense is the main obstacle between the Nuggets and the NBA title his overall play, his play on defense in particular, is the main obstacle. No, it's not. It, Porter's defense is non-existent. No, I mean, not, and you saw that exposed last night, as well as Murray's defense, which is terrible and perhaps still attributable to the idea that he's coming off a serious knee injury. And what he said last year, remember? at the end of the year when everybody, including Tim Connolly, was clamoring, clamoring for Murray to play. And Murray said when the season was finally over, well, yeah, I can shoot standstill jump shots, and I can even drive to the basket and dunk, but I can't move laterally, therefore I can't play defense. Right. And even, Which in that, even the in defensive that game. guru, Michael Malone, seemed not to take into account, uh, nor did the organization entirely. But it, it's funny in, in this, again, there's no context to it. Right. The Nuggets are an average, at best, defensive team. The reason they're average and not poor is that last night's game, again, notwithstanding. They have been among the best and at times the best. They may even be currently the best team in the league in defending the three ball. And when you're
0: talking about even that game against San Antonio in particular, and I know the plus minus is not the be-all end-all. Out of the 10 Nuggets that played, Jokic was the third best. And that includes Christian Brown, who had a plus minus of zero in seven minutes. So it, it, this is where context matters. And and it, it's sort of less about this piece and more about the the wider understanding of how to apply analytics analytics is a tool it is a complementary tool just as your eyes are just as someone with coaching experience has it is a tool it's not a be-all end-all and anyone who would argue that the analytics are the only reason to have nicole Jokic win would be equally off you have to look at the the, the results how are the results how does this team play when he's on how does this team play when he's off exactly do they win a lot or do they lose a lot these are not complicated stats. Some of them are just looking at W's and L's. So it, the idea of, of looking at any of this in, in analytics in a larger capacity is the understanding that it is one of many tools that you can use and it can be used in exactly as Mark Twain once said, lies, damned lies and statistics. It just depends on the idea of how you want to forward it. And in this case, it it, it doesn't really matter. Look, the Nuggets have bigger fish to fry than whether Nikola Jokic wins an MVP or not. Uh, Absolutely. And Jokic himself is is interested in that. But but we shall see because uh, we're talking about the positive side.
1: I'll tell you, Jokic would be just fine if the conversation stopped stopped entirely. entirely. Yeah, he's done. And whether he finishes first, second, third, or lower, doesn't make a whit of difference to jokic speaking of the uh, the idea of statistics
0: and uh small sample sizes and how they can maybe lead you in the wrong direction uh, the colorado rockies are going
1: unbeaten they're 1-0 that means they're going to win the whole thing right well, well talk- i'll tell you what it means they won't go zero and 162 we know that You take that we'll talk about it next on mile High sports
0: Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Drotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. The Colorado Rockies start off their season with a 7-2 win over the Padres out in San Diego. A great performance, I think, is a start for a a potential bounce back here for Herman Marquez. Marquez, Marquez. Goes six innings, uh, scatters of uh, five hits, two earned runs, five K's, no walks. Good start there. The bullpen does their job. By the way, uh Daniel Bard will be starting on the injured list from uh anxiety. Some of them perhaps the those sort of yips that you've got him before that derailed his career. I appreciate and respect the uh, the uh honesty and openness in which he is tackling that.
1: I appreciate it too, and I'm pulling hard for him as all of us should. He's a good guy on top of everything else. He's a great story, but he has had this issue before, and I'm afraid that it may come largely out of the recent appearance at the world baseball classic in which it didn't seem as if he could throw strikes. And it went badly. It was a brief outing. Uh, Bud Black said, great comment from Black, who knows pitching. We know that's for sure. Said, you know, listen, it was a bad outing. He hadn't had a lot of work leading up to the World Baseball Classic, and he did have some control issues last year. I am not saying he has Steve blast disease, but I'm concerned that there are elements of that that we saw last year begin to percolate a you little did. bit, control issues that he hadn't had the previous year. I know some of his other numbers were outstanding, but he did get himself into trouble at times, and at this point, I don't know that that goes away entirely, and I suspect it could get worse. So I'm pulling for him, but I I think it might be unrealistic to expect him to equal or improve on his performance from 2022.
0: Bard told reporters yesterday, it's a hard thing to admit, but I've been through this before. You're talking about that outing in, uh, against Venezuela with the World Baseball Classic. Right. Yeah, fifth inning against Venezuela, a walk, a single, wild pitch, hit Jose Altuve. And then issued a walk to force in a run, uh, four runs, one hit, two walks, no outs recorded, and and that led to the quote that you talked about from from Bud Black. And obviously for the Rockies who had counted on Bard, and uh, and I, I I questioned the idea of bringing Bard back, not because of this actually, but because he's thirty seven, and I think it's entirely possible at that point you might have
1: gotten the best that you were gonna oh, get away. Oh, there's him? much doubt about that. But I'm just wondering, even as a functional relief pitcher, right. whether you, you can but the reasonably Rockies did, expect uh, that to
0: happen. Sign him to a two year nineteen million dollar yeah. deal with uh you know, of course it's it's obviously baseball I, it's I, all guaranteed. I, you know,
1: and again I'm glad he got his money. I am too I, I mean, good for him. he's being rewarded, good for him. It, it's not a debilitating deal. Uh you know, the Rockies Probably spent more foolishly on Chris Bryant, to be honest with you, because it's a longer deal for a lot more money. But, you know, again, I think it, it, it it's it's a lot less than 50-50 that he regains I, functional I form, I in agree. my
0: opinion. Jerickson Profar, by the way, also not with the Rockies, uh, signed that one year 7.75 million, but did not report to camp because of visa issues until the 28th. Of March. So, only it had a couple uh, at bats. So it was going to stay in ex- extended spring training for some teen- tune up games. Uh, when the Rockies believe he's ready, he's going to come up and play left field. In the meantime, uh, Mike Moustakas, who signed a minor league deal, like. to that opening. And, and that's a nice
1: Rock. little move made by the Rockies. And I, 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 again, there's Moustakas is no, past his but prime. Well, what's the risk? But no risk. He's actually someone who's had world championship. he's got a ring. Winning in his past, a lot not a lot of, a lot right? of guys in that locker a couple room. Couple World Series played on a team that won one. Was in World Series back to back years. Yep. I know it's it's been eight years since the Royals won the World Series, but I I did like the Mustakas. I did too. I think he he
0: is a as long as you decent your expectations reasonable. Decent utility, yeah, and, and for a team that quite frankly needs that, given the fact now you know that uh, that Brendan Rogers is out for the year. They're trying Eller Montero. Of course, Ezekiel Tovar is going to take over short. I don't think they're going to put Mostakis at short. But Mostakis no, has no, played no, no. second, third, first. Yeah, and they been, won't put and him been sure. effective at all of those spots defensively. Right. So you you have a guy with some flexibility who, on a team that quite frankly sort of needs that flexibility for what it's worth in spring training. In his 41-plate his appearances, he hit 350. So, you know, maybe there's a little life left. But the important thing is if he's a utility infielder and he knows that's the role. And you have that kind of veteran leadership that can help a young team understand what it takes to be a pro all for it. Yep. And sometimes that's better coming from a guy that's not a starter who can sit sure. with these younger guys a little more often. So I, I like that move. A uh, Good good start for a lot of the Rockies. Of course, CJ Crone, the star, uh, four for five, two home runs, five RBIs. But uh Harris-Montero with a home run of his own, he's going to get that shot at third. They made the, uh, along with Austin Gomber, the two pieces that came back in. The Nolan Aranato trade, uh, Chris Bryant and Charlie Blackman matching three for fives on the night and an RBI for for Bryant, too. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh boy, the Rockies are going to make some noise. But if they're pitching, if, if Herman Marquez can re- regain the form because Marquez. Oh, and- that's the, to me, that's the story yeah, coming and, out And, out and of I'll make
1: this very clear. When My, it comes even to more Freeland. so than Crone. Yes, getting it's, five to me, it's RBIs it's because Marquez. Uh, Marquez is the story because uh, you, you need him to have basically a career year in 2023 if they have any hopes at winning more than 70 games.
0: Yes. Oh, I agree. And, and that goes to Kyle Freeland as well. But Marquez has, uh, with all due respect to Freeland, who I know, local guy, everyone loves him rightly. So uh, the difference is Marquez has ace stuff. Marquez can can throw multiple pitches and Kyle Freeland in has high nineties at best middle of the rotation stuff. Yes, when you're talking about the actual you know velocity and the the uh, the control, that's Kyle Freeland is better suited for most major league teams being a third or fourth starter. Third that's or fourth the reality. Exactly. Uh, Marquez on a lot of good teams, if he's right, is a, at least a two. At least it took And maybe the and A's.
1: Maybe maybe the A's.
0: And that's maybe the only maybe. guy the Rockies yeah. can say that, that they actually have True. that. And so. I liked
1: the control last night. You didn't walk anybody. Nobody. Uh no. Control, no home runs. And from what I saw, and I did not watch the game from start to finish. I did not watch his outing, which lasted six innings from start to finish. But I thought from what I saw, not only was his control good, his command was good. And he wasn't in trouble. Really all that much. First inning a little bit, and that's when he gave up the run.
0: First pitch strikes, 20, uh, 12 out of the 24 batters.
1: Not, uh, not it's great, a little low than you'd like, it's, but it's not it's, disastrous. Uh, okay. But what it's is open. nice is
0: on the 87 pitches he threw, 26 of them were called or swinging strikes. Yep. That's great. Sure, He's missing sure. bats, or yep. he's fooling guys. Yep. One way or another, yep. that's what you want to see. No, I,
1: I I think you, you want to see him uh, be overpowering, and, and we know he's got the stuff. Uh, and he's got the basic pitches. Um, he, he can be erratic, and I, I think probably has, has gotten rattled in recent years more often than he should. But I, I think he's primed uh, to have a very good year, and I agree with you. That was the story coming out of the game uh, last night, though I couldn't help but think of uh, the five runs that Crone drove in and the total base count, which I think was 11, which might be a Rockies record for opening day. I'm not sure. Uh Vinny Castilla had uh, a great opening day uh, about a quarter century back uh, for the Rockies. Uh, he drove in 5. Yeah. But
0: I'm not sure he had 11 McCrone, total bases. Yeah, two uh, two homers and a double and a single. I mean, that's it's yeah. a big number. Almost
1: but the cycle.
0: He watch out the by the way uh, this year. If you're looking for kind of a, a sleeper rocky that that may be a very interesting player, look out for Justin Lawrence, the, the middle reliever okay. right now in the eighth. And I'll tell you that already because he's Good. Adjusted, Good he has adjusted the way he's thrown. And now all of a sudden, a slider that he had to broke, broke a lot. In fact, it reminds me a little bit of, if you have to go back to early Rockies team, Steve Reed, where we used to call that slider a Frisbee slider, yeah. had that late, really sharp break.
1: Justin Lawrence is throwing a, Frisbee slider, right? So now. you say he's the second coming of Steve Reed, well, which he, it would not be a bad thing. No, he throws remember, overhand. Remember <laughs> remember the old expression, the Reed save that was coined by Don Baylor, uh, the manager, mm-hmm. uh, particularly during the 1995 season when Don Baylor did, and I know Don Baylor's expertise wasn't centered on pitching, but with the help of Larry Bernard, who was the pitching coach at the time and uh, an interesting character in more ways than one, a piece together a bullpen that was deep, and because there were so many of them who could be effective, they avoided burnout in a year that was helpful to them, also because there were only 144 games. But Reed was the middle inning guy who would come in and hold the fort, and it was called a Reed save. Justin Lawrence last night, one inning pitched,
0: three strikeouts, no hits, yeah. no. Inning. That's as good as you can get. But when you look into it, even more than that, he threw fourteen pitches, eleven In of those innings. pitches were strikes, right? You and love that. love that. Seven of them were called or swinging. Yep. Uh, that that is shutting people down, and at twenty eight years old, could be coming into his prime. The Rockies might have might have found a. Uh, and quite frankly, with the concerns with Daniel Bard as the season goes along. Maybe you even found a future closer
1: You can make And I'll make this observation very quickly Because I know we're at the top CJ Krohn Drove in five runs last night You could argue That the Philadelphia Phillies need a first baseman Right um, now And yes. trading Cron, uh, Particularly if he gets off to a good start Might bring you A decent package of prospects
0: Which Philly's, the Rockies need Philly is more than willing to throw in prospects right now They're going right. for World Series
1: Right Exactly. Yeah, they're not worried about prospects. So it might be the right trade, but can you imagine if he does get off Do a good to a good start and they trade him? People will be here's saying, the problem. Here, Here is arguably your best hitter from last year, and he's off to a great start this year, and you get rid of him for prospects. I for will guys who've never heard of.
0: Our new Mile High Sports magazine coming out uh, in, in literally days had a discussion about this in the magazine. In a roundtable discussion, that's in there. That situation came up. My argument then is my argument now. Trade him anyway. Work on building your team to go forward
1: instead of putting up the, stats in an empty season. The problem season. is they haven't heard, uh, earned the benefit of the doubt. They, they also don't that's the
0: problem. Clearly, don't listen to me. I mean, it's been a while. I've been saying the same thing, but that's the way well, it no,
1: goes. No, but I think they'll probably <laughs> probably do what you're suggesting, and it might be a good move. I'm just saying the public relations fallout. To the extent that there is interest in the Rockies. Yeah, I was to about to say, with, the public relations follow be a general uh, yeah. shrug. Well, maybe. But, you know, some of us nerds will point to the fact that you're trading over the last year plus your best hit. Arn Anderson
0: from Channel 31, KDVR, will join us. We'll talk about the Avalanche next on Miley Sports.